Confessions of a Crappy Christian is powered by the Converge Podcast Network. Hey y'all, welcome back to another episode of the Confessions of a Crappy Christian podcast. I'm your host and resident crappy Christian, Blake Guichet, and I'm so pumped to be bringing you season two of this show, packed full of more people telling incredible stories of who God is and what he's done. This week's episode is with author Janine Reed, and we are talking about the seasons of life that tend to throw us a curveball and then another curveball and how to navigate those things and know that God is still good in the waiting. I can't wait for you to listen. Janine, hey, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Blake, great to see you. So nice to finally meet you. I know. It's so nice when they get to actually, you know, face-to-face connect. Well, I guess you could call it face-to-face. Sort of (laughs) face-to-face. Well, it's as face-to-face as we get at this very moment in time right now. Exactly. This is most people's equivalent of face-to-face. So I'm really looking forward to having a conversation about your your book and, and your life and your story. I know your life has had some very unexpected twists and turns from diagnoses to life changes. And so just to, to open us up, tell us a little bit about yourself and, and your story and, and what got you here. Sure. Sure. So I, um, I was born in Chicago to very young parents, lovely young parents of my family comes from a Polish immigrant, so um, religious family, and my parents really tried hard to do everything they could, you know. Um, however, <laughs> you know, as with most families, there's a however, right? And we're human, and that seems maybe that's the point of this existence. I don't know, but my my dad has alcoholism. You know, we have a generation after generation of alcoholics. So, you know, my family moved out to California when I was young. I say in an attempt to outrun my dad's alcoholism, which of course we all know that's not actually possible. Mm-hmm. But you know, they gave it their all. They really tried hard. And growing up, I, you know, we went to church a lot. I had a lot of faith that if I was a really, really good girl and did everything right, things would turn out for me. So I didn't realize, you know, I I grew up, I my dad ended up getting sober when I was in college, which was a gift to our whole family, started healing around that time. I actually ended up getting sober when I was 24, realizing kind of early on in my drinking career that it wasn't working for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and luckily I had my dad's example there. So I kind of felt like I put the hardship and trauma behind me by the time I married and had kids. You know, I married very mindfully, a, a nice guy, you know, treated me well. Um, and I was, and I always wanted to be a mother. I had three children. Um, and my, I say my mothering philosophy was simple. I just was going to do everything right. So my kids would never be hurt, scared or scarred. Right. And I would just, and and I think this is a sort of a thing from our culture too. There are so many, so much advice, so many books, so many ways we will do mothering perfectly or else, or if the child has problems, it's the mother's fault. So therefore, again, you must do mothering perfectly. So yes. I really took that on. Um, my friend, uh, a good friend of mine was joking with me that I never gave my my child, any, my children anything with chemicals in it, which is sort of mostly true. But you know, There's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> no, right? Exactly. I tried, I tried. Um, so my, so going into this, um, 
you know, obviously there's a, there's a change in course. Obviously our lives go off track or else there wouldn't be a story here. And what happened is my young son's hand began to shake, you know, about in kindergarten. And we start, he started getting headaches and we started on this road of visiting doctors and actually neurologists being told Mason had a normal tremor and migraine headaches and let's tweak his diet some more. And ultimately we found out that Mason had a brain tumor mm. and the book is the story. That's about where the book starts, you know, um, and it's the story of me as a control everything, do everything right mom, which God bless me, right? And God bless all these moms out here. We were yes, trying so with the best hard. intentions. Always, always. And who wouldn't try even harder? We love these little people with all of our being, right? So this, that, this book, The Opposite of Certainty, is the story of my journey through Mason's um, no longer conventional childhood mm -hmm. and my journey in faith really is is it was the big um story that came out of writing this was i i got to the end of the manuscript and i thought wait how did i end up with more faith than i had before when mm. i've thrown out all these platitudes that i that i you know i thought were, i thought the platitudes were the thing right and yet somehow i came out of this with more faith i say more faith in god but knowing less about god yeah. I, that's amazing. And I think, yeah, I think that that's most parents worst nightmare realized, yeah. right. To find out that there is something uncontrollable in your child's life that is going to impact it significantly. What walking through that, what have been some of the more difficult parts of that was it the lack of control or what I mean I know for some people it would be uh where are you God kind of thing what was it that you kind of ended up wrestling with yeah well there were a lot of worst parts right I'm <laughs> um, sure yeah. yeah a lot of worst parts you know uh one was watching my child in pain it was just mm -hmm. it's just so wrong and it, I feel like it's against every cell like there's a physical reaction to that mm -hmm. um mother's everywhere can relate to and fathers too. Um, so that was very, very difficult for my child to have something that I, I couldn't fix. Mm -hmm. And I tried, you know, there are things we can do each week. We, and, and I write about that in the book. And sometimes it's a little funny, the things I would try, you know, I'll try yeah. anything. I'll right. try absolutely anything. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And then, you know, it is, a, it is about my faith journey. And I think I had to get really real with God. And, and I say that I, I thought my faith was, you know, I, I was a person who prayed. I say, I pray every, I prayed and I asked God to take care of the people I love and to, you know, use me for, for a good purpose in this world. Yet I didn't trust God alone with my kids, you know, mm. yeah. and, you know, and I had to come up with a way of living with the fact that this destiny, this path that we were on was so not what I wanted for my child because it was, it was painful. You know, mm -hmm. no, I think anybody would objectively say, yeah, no, let's just skip that. Can we just, and if I were God, I would just, that would be my first thing. Let's just get rid of all the childhood cancers. Can we yes. just agree on that? Yes. However, I'm not God. And you know, maybe that's not the point. And, and what I had to learn, uh, so first of all, I had to be able to get mad at God. Mm. you know yes and um 
that seems a little counterintuitive when you're desperately pleading, please let my child survive, please let my child be okay. But at a certain point, you know, I, I write a lot about my friendships in the book. Um, and my, because my friendships really, really did sustain me. And a, a friend of mine um, took me out for lunch one day, or not lunch, coffee. I don't know why that's important, but you know. You know, it's fine. <laughs> perfectionism, perfectionism never dies. It never fully dies anyways. But so this friend, my friend Anne Lamont took me out for lunch, for coffee. And she, you know, she'd been seeing this anger and this grief and this sadness and this fear of what I wouldn't name, you know, because I thought it was my job to, you know, I was the cheerleader Yep. And yes, Mason had this tumor in his head, but it wasn't the worst kind of tumor you could have in his mm -hmm. your head. And yes, he was getting this chemo treatment, but it wasn't the worst kind of chemo treatment you could have. Right. And, um, you know, there's a lot to be said about keeping a good attitude, yet that good attitude was like a thin veneer of pink paint over the terror that I was really feeling. Mm -hmm. And I had to get really honest with myself and with God about that. And, you know, screaming in the car like a wounded lion, you know, <laughs> helped. I felt really silly, but that was a good thing to do. Yes. So that was part of my process was really to get real with my faith and to get more and more present in the day and, and learn how to function in this, on this path and in this world where I really didn't want us to be, where I do anything. I still, I would do just about anything to change the path we're on, but a lot, I, I, acceptance has been, you know, kind of inserted in me. Right. Despite, despite anything I, you know, against my will, let's say. Right. Well, and we talk a lot in this space about being mad at God, being honest yeah. with your, with your feelings about, or, or towards God or towards your life, because there's a certain level of, in my opinion, there's a certain level of authenticity and, and vulnerability and intimacy that you're never going to achieve in your relationship with God. If you're trying to tie everything up in a really pretty package before you bring it to him. And I've said this a million times on the show, but the thing that my dad told me growing up that has impacted my life to this day is that God has really big shoulders. Mm -hmm. The guy has really big shoulders. And like he can take it. Like he can take it that you're angry and confused and frustrated that your son has a brain tumor, you know, and, and that, that to me is the breaking down of a wall that you have put up between you and God that I feel like he's on the other side going, this doesn't have to be here. You don't have to show up pretty an Instagram perfect for me. You know what I mean? And so, you know, you in the face of a lot of uncertainty, which I would venture to say in some, to some capacity touches everyone's life. It may not look like a brain tumor, but uncertainty touches everyone's life, everyone's life. And then right now, even more so, you know, so as you've navigated that, screaming in your car god 10 out of 10 recommend i have done that before as well <laughs> <laughs> but as we as we navigate these things what are some of the ways or some of the things that you have learned walking through that kind of uncertainty 
Well, I think I love that too. I'm, I wrote that down, big shoulders. God has yeah. big shoulders. I need images and that's a really great one. So I'm going to borrow that one. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> My you. dad would love that. Take it. Oh, good. <laughs> I will take it. I will take it. Well, you know, I think that, I, you know, something that really has caught my attention lately i realized that you know in praying for the miracle now i will i would always pray for the miracle of mason's tumor to get be gone you know yes. especially early on i i just had this like fantasy that he would go in for an mri and they would go what tumor lady you're crazy and i would yes love, yes i'll be crazy i'll be anything you know yes um it's, but of course that didn't happen and you know sometimes um i i had a gentleman um was very sweet so you know we're gonna just pray we're gonna pray on him and we're gonna pray for that tumor to be removed and i thought you know that's wonderful and yet we've been living mason now is 23 he's been living with this tumor for 13 12 13 years wow. yeah yeah and it's a you know it's a zigzag we live on and if i only thought that the miracle was that the tumor would be removed boy Ooh. i would be living in a desert yes a spiritual desert yes and one of the things i think the biggest gifts that i've learned is um to be a little more open-minded about what the miracle might look like that's a word that's a word yeah yeah that the yeah. mirror we don't get to define the miracle yes yes exactly right you know i have um i I have amazing friends and one of my, my dearest friends, one time when we were, Mason was hospitalized um, and it was a long hospitalization, it was a turning point because he'd always functioned rather normally. And then this big, uh, he had a big hemorrhage in his brain and mm. and it, it became, became a yet again a different life than we thought mm -hmm. we were gonna have. Um, still he's charming and funny and, like a sweetest guy you could be with. And yet again, we're on a different path and we're navigating Absolutely. that. And my friend Joan, you know, I would um, call her a lot while Mason was in the hospital. And I do recommend this, you know, I don't know how I would get through this without reaching out. You know, yes. I need a couple of people that I can really count on. And um, I remember giving her the, the, the download of all the things that were terrifying basically and mm -hmm. going wrong, you know, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. And she would she listened very patiently and said, yes, and how are you being cared for? And that care there, that's that's God. Yeah. You know, my friend Ann Lamont calls it God with skin on. Mm -hmm. Um and those were the people, those angels. And sometimes they just showed up, you know, for for one scene, for even 20 minutes, you know, yes. lovely, a lovely um elderly woman who worked in the rehab hospital we went to in Houston, who I remember her face and she reminded me of my grandmother and she just put her hand on my shoulder and she said, he, he, he will take care of you. He will take care of you. And that just that loving, just real presence, you know, because she had seen life. I knew yeah. she knew what she was talking about, you know? Yeah. So um, this idea of finding God and how I'm being cared for in any mm. given day, Mm -hmm. is pretty remarkable. Like today I was um, having a conversation, a very frustrating conversation with a pharmacist. I have, in, and not a pharmacist, but the person who worked there who right. takes the insurance card. Need I say more? 
difficult nope. job. I'm sure she had 60 people in line and here I am on the floor, on the floor. Right. <laughs> I could have been on the floor. I was on the floor. Felt phone. like you were on the and floor, my, baby. <laughs> I, I, I was, that was the next step would have been the floor. And my, um, my 20 year old daughter was sitting next to me on the couch. And you know, it's been, a, we've had been having a rough go with Mason lately. It's been, it's been very difficult. And she sees this and she's been, my daughter's wonderful. You know, there's, there's another silver lining from all this. Yes. I have my other two children are remarkable people. Mm -hmm. And my daughter just took the phone from me and she handled the whole interaction so wow. much more gracefully than me and talk about, you know, and grace, grace. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, there's so much of grace around me. And I love that story about, you know, somebody saying to a, a fish saying to another fish, what do you think of all this water? And the fish is like, what water? Because it just Ooh. is, right? Yeah, yeah. And I think that it's that way with my faith. You yeah. Know, even in the really, really scary times, there's all, there's that woman in the rehab hospital and it was a neuro, neurological rehab hospital he was in, that there's somebody there's, and, and I, it's my job to notice to be present yes. enough in any given moment to notice, which is the hard part. Yes. Oh, yes. Very much the hard part. And I, there's that idea that, that sometimes that we don't get to define the miracle and that sometimes the miracle is the perseverance, you know, the, the, the God-given capacity to persevere or the grace of another human being. And I think we've, we've turned, can miracles be these big, shiny, events yes absolutely are we going to continue to pray for the miracle of your son's tumor to disappear yes but it's the the being exactly what you said the being present enough to recognize and experience the miracles that god's giving you along the way exactly exactly and you know and i think that at some point i i I write a lot. My first, I say the first draft of the book was very much annoying people and the stupid things they said to me. Yes. <laughs> and, you know, I want to read that book. <laughs> oh, it was, it was, I thought it was hilarious. Um, you know, I, you know, but I, but it was, it was like, it was very bitter. So yes. <laughs> I, I assure you, I assure you after 5,000 drafts and uh, five years and 5,000 drafts, the book I did come to, like, I call it a grudging compassion for all yes. the imperfect human beings like me who meant to say and do the right thing. But one of the things that comes up, so I've couched this, right? So, you know, people were trying to be so helpful, but there was this thing like, if I only prayed better or had better faith, this wouldn't be happening, right? So, um, and it's in, and it can go the same way. You know, I live in a very um, wonderful community where, where we think that if you only buy the correct organic, not everybody thinks this, this isn't, of course, it's an exaggeration, but it's like, well, what diet are you on? Are yeah. you on the, are you That's on keto? Are you, on, are right. you a vegan? Are you this? Are you that? And again, those things are all good. Just like the pray, every, get having faith is essential. Having nutrition is essential. Yet questioning a mother or anyone in that, it, there's this thing like you're not doing it right. Right. You know, that, that. So I think it's important that, and that's another thing that I had to come to terms with because I'd rather be wrong. I'd rather be anything than powerless over my child's. Health. Yes. So I really yes. did take that on for a while. Well, do I have the right faith? Well, do, am, am I feeding him the appropriate diet? You know? Right. Um, 
and and that was another thing that got shed from the sheer exhaustion and the weight of everything I carried through this journey. Thank goodness. I mean, that was a blessing. Yeah. Yeah. You're listening to the Converge Podcast Network. And now a message from a network supporter. Okay, so recently on my Instagram, we've been talking about cycles and fertility and periods and all that good stuff. Well, what if I told you you could get a ton of fertility insight without having to go to the doctor and have blood drawn and et cetera, et cetera. Modern fertility is an easy and affordable way to test your fertility and hormones at home with a simple finger prick. You mail it in and you get your results within 10 days. So this kind of testing can cost upwards of $1,000 at the doctor, but modern fertility only costs $159. Oh, and right now, if you go to modernfertility.com crappy, you can get $20 off of your test. You'll get insight into how many eggs you have, your hormone levels, and any reproductive red flags. And you can talk one-on-one with a fertility nurse to review your results. So instead of spending thousands of dollars or just not knowing, go to modernfertility.com slash crappy to learn about your personal fertility for only $139. And we've talked a lot about faith, which is is so integral and important in, I mean, day-to-day life, but especially I feel like uncertainty. And I know you have this concept of no matter what, faith what does that look like in real life because I feel like it could be a really great idea but we have to be able to live it yes well I've been thinking about it well obviously I love to think about these things um what I think of faith more as a muscle than an idea Mm. so that no matter what faith means that I get out of bed on these days that are really too hard and too long right Mm -hmm. and it's in my actions you know that's how it how I manifest it and um and and it manifests in the people around me the people who show up I mean my friends boy talk about signing up for like combat duty right (laughs) to be my friend over the past years it's not been an easy job or my mother or my father for that matter my parents have really shown up Um, But I think that no matter what faith is that, so it is in showing up, it's in, um, sometimes I'm not, you know, it was cute with the name of the um, podcast, Crappy Christian. I kept thinking Crabby Christian, (laughs) Crabby Christian, you know, so, (laughs) you know, just turn those P's upside down, depending on the day. It's pretty much, yeah, like, I feel like it could be a a, a swap, an easily made swap. (laughs) Anytime. Anytime. Yeah. So, you know, so I just, so sometimes I don't feel like, you know, I have this illusion that if I have really good faith, I'll be like, you know, you know, you'll hear the angels sing and I will be feeling transcendent and happy and blissful no matter if my child's in pain. Mm -hmm. But my experience is that when, when I, got to fine tooth comb this experience of mine, this journey we've been on and, you know, putting it as a writer and and writing it down. What I got to see was that the faith, that no matter what faith was in, in doing it another day and then Mm -hmm. another day after that. And sometimes it was really, I'm doing it another hour. I'm doing it another half hour because we have to slice time into manageable pieces. Mm Mm-hmm. 
uh, there's a this is such a terrible analogy but there's have you ever heard of the show uh the unsinkable kimmy schmidt yes yes you can do anything for 30 seconds <laughs> that is great the, and that they're great. they're turning the crank but yeah. it's but it's i can do anything you know you want to add a with jesus in there yeah i can do anything yeah. with jesus for 30 30 more seconds there and there are there i mean i struggle with uh clinical anxiety and depression and there are days where it is it feels like it's 30 seconds it's 30 seconds to get my feet to hit the floor it's 30 more seconds to get to the you know and so i i, I think that kind of shedding the illusion of faking it till you make it or faking it sometimes you can't fake it till you feel it right sometimes you have to fake it till you make it yes well said well because there are there I think I mean at least in my experience and I it sounds like in yours there are going to be days where it doesn't you don't feel it and it doesn't make it not real that doesn't make God's presence any less powerful and perfect it just means we're human exactly feel it sometimes we don't and you know and as parents as humans who love other humans some things are really sad and really scary yeah and i and i what i've learned is god is with me in those scary moments but i still get this human experience but jesus did too didn't he exactly right yeah yeah seems to have been the point yeah this is this is a little bit of a of a topic change but i think it's an important part of of your and your family's story to touch on but and and the world in general right now i think is experiencing so much grief and and there's so much heaviness and there's so much going on and it 2020 just feels like a i mean it feels like a little bit of a dumpster fire i know that god is good and he is present and he is it is still his but there are man i have found myself looking forward to the new year (laughs) already in june (laughs) (laughs) it's june but one of the things that you talk about is that in the midst of that grief, there's a tendency, and you've kind of touched on this already, to to disregard our own feelings because you were talking about, yes, he has a brain tumor, but it's not the worst kind of brain tumor. Yes, he's doing chemo, but it's not the worst kind of chemo. Yes, today was hard, but it could have been X, Y, Z. What are some of the ways that we can give ourselves or that you have learned to give yourself permission and room to feel your own grief while still supporting your family and supporting Mason and, and having friends and loving those. How do we, how do we grieve our own things while not stacking it up against someone else's stuff? Well, I think, Good question. Wow. Let's see. Let's see what I can sorry, do. Sorry. That was a lot. I know. I'm <laughs> that sorry. Was, that, was, that was great. It's awesome. Um, I love this stuff. I, his, this, this is why we're, I think this is why we're here as humans, right? To have the depth of this experience um, and the depth of the love. And with the depth of that love comes sadness, grief, terror, joy, you know, right. I, and, you know, in my, in my drinking life, which was kind of short-lived, like from 15 to 24, I just wanted to feel happy all the time. I thought that was the point was to feel happy all the time. Well, I've come to learn, at least in my life, the point is not to feel happy all the time. Happy is, um, Carrie Fisher said, happy is one of the things I am. Mm. Her book is on my, my, it's making its way up my queue. I can't wait to read it. Oh, good, good. Yeah, so... um, 
how do we do this? You know, I think we just have to tell the truth. And I need to have, like I said, a couple of, I have a couple of girlfriends, actually probably more than a couple, but I've created this circle of people um, who we can just be really honest. You know, sometimes it's not helpful for my husband to hear how I'm afraid, how afraid I am because we're, we're co-parenting through this. Exactly. You know, that's a whole other, that's a whole other podcast. Exactly. How we do that. But, um, I need to say what's true. And, you know, I was talking to my, uh, I, I go on hikes, socially distance hikes with my my closest friend. And we were talking the other day and I said, I am practicing ingratitude today. Now I was really joking. And sometimes I need to say these things just to get them out. But I felt and like- you need a safe this- place to say them. Exactly. Exactly. With somebody that's and, not going to jump down your throat about it. Exactly. That is that, and that is that was the point was that I needed to be able to say everything I was scared about, what I didn't like was going on in the world. Now I really believe in gratitude. My, I feel a lot of gratitude in my life, but I can't use gratitude and platitudes, platitudes mm-hmm. as that like that thin pink veneer over what's true. And I think especially with prolonged uncertainty, like we have right now, you know, for me, my experience is, uh, you know, I have to say what's true. Yes. And when I say what's true, you know, my, also my favorite prayer is the St. Francis prayer, which says, make me at one translation says, make me a channel of your peace. And I have to, when I say what's true, I clear the channel and then a genuine gratitude can take place. You know, it's mm. that thing where if you have a good cry and then you find you're laughing 10 minutes later, cause it's yes. just, everything's just moving. Yes. But my old way was to hold on so tightly because I was afraid of these so-called negative feelings, you know, mm-hmm. to resist so much um, and gird myself. Like I could protect myself if I gird myself. Um, and, and it just didn't work. Oh, if it worked, I'd do it, but it just never worked for me. <laughs> right. So I just have to say what's true. And I pray to, you know, obviously I pray throughout the day and that's at no matter what faith too. You know, I ask for help. My prayers are very simple. You know, I love yes. the St. Francis prayer. I pray that prayer before I do a podcast or anything, anything public, you know, and yet my most, my most um, commonly used prayer in my life is help me help me, help me, mm-hmm. help me. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's helped me feel this feeling and get to the next minute. Like you were saying the next 30 seconds. Yeah. Inhale, exhale. And it's almost like when we were in labor, you know, um, with children, it's like, okay, from one contraction to the next. And, and to use that gentle voice on myself too, because I think that's the other part of this that doesn't ultimately doesn't hold up over time is to beat myself. Well, you think you have it hard. Yes. What about her? What about right. him? What about that person? You it's know, just not a, it's not productive. No, it's shaming ourselves for exactly. having feelings. And, and, you know, um, Mason, like I said, he's had a difficult time. It's been a difficult year for him and for us. Um, and he's in treat his was in treatment again for his tumor. And I was afraid, you know, when we got that, because it was scary. Mm-hmm. Now this, coronavirus global pandemic guess what's scary Mm -hmm. does that mean that I don't hit to have joy in my life and laugh no but you know again afraid is one of the things I am right and the the good news is that if I allow myself and show up to these feelings they tend to pass through like tides 
Mm -hmm. You know, and if I do get stuck, I get professional help. I've had to lean on professionals my fair share. Yeah. Oh, same. We're big fans of of counseling and therapy <laughs> in this in this yeah. area of the internet. And I think there's something you said about that. It's like these this fake gratitude and the platitudes can can hold you back from real gratitude. It's like it blocks it. And I think that that's when we're not allowing ourselves to be honest with ourselves and with other people, we miss the opportunity to let other people step into our grief and then in turn to step into theirs. Yeah. You know, it's an interesting point you bring up because I've discovered that allowing someone else to help me is a very intimate thing. It's and it's very. A gift to them because exactly. part of my MO is a really capable perfectionist kind of control everything, but in a charming way. So you don't mind, you know, <laughs> kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. But, um, was that, you know, I, I, it was like, I was holding my hand out. Like I am right. fine. Thank you very I'm much. Good. Arms length, arms length. And when I couldn't, you know, circumstances made it so that I had to just say help. And mm -hmm. that's, that's happened like three or four times in my life. And those have been profound moments of, um, healing. Yes. For me, healing from that family disease of alcoholism and the isolation that that brings and healing and spiritual growth and coming closer to God. Because what is my friend Joan used to always say, you know, um, God is polite and comes in when invited, mm. you know, yeah, so just to say, help me and to not have an agenda of what that help would look like. I, mm. I think that brings them, you know, some of the most when you think about like wildflowers, you know, there's a lot right. of possibility there. I love that. And I, I think that that's really important for people to understand that your, well, other people have it worse or it could be worse, could be what is holding you back from experiencing a real intimate community. If you're yeah. always, you know, I think, and I think that we were talking earlier about well-intentioned. I think that it's, it's often well-intentioned, right? You're wanting to be grateful. You're wanting to be realistic. You're wanting to have the right perspective, but you rob yourself of experiencing something when you're always matching your pain and your grief against what it could be instead of yeah. just experiencing it. It's very isolating for both people. Very. Isolating for that person who keeps getting walled off. Right. By, well, at least I'm not her. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and believe me, I, I believe I've had some experience in like, well, at least I'm not her. You know? Right. And I get it. I get it. I'm, I would, I'm, <laughs> I don't always want to be me either. Right. But I think of it like, if you know, we're like, as if we're a tribe and the safety is in the center of the herd mm. and what happens. So by don't ex I don't want to be excluded. Like, at least I'm not her. Like I'm outside the safety of that yeah. warm, you know, spire circle and those warm arms around me. And likewise, you know, everybody's entitled to that place in the center of the circle. And sometimes I have friends who, who called me and like, I really don't want to bother you. I know this is nothing like what you deal with. But I always say, please bring it. Tell yes. me what's going on. Because also those 10 minutes that I'm listening to someone else's problem is like, hey, it's that's like normalcy. That's exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's normalcy. And I'm not thinking about myself. And at a certain point, it's like enough of my problems. 
Right. That is, I think that's so important. I think all of this is, is such an incredible testament to what God will do with our faithfulness and with our pain and with the, the hands that we are dealt that we would have never chosen. Um, to, to close us, I want you to tell people where they can find and follow you, uh, okay. where your book is available, all of those things so that they can connect with you, they can read your book, all of those important things. Um, well, you can find me at theoppositeofcertainty.com, which is my website, Janine Urbanic Read, but I'm not going to make you spell Urbanic. So it's theoppositeofcertainty.com. <laughs> Go to the same place. And then Janine Ur- Urbanic Read, and it should queue up on Facebook, also on Instagram, Janine You Read on Twitter. And um, the book is available on, at all the big online re- retailers, um, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, and the in- independents I know are, well, in our area, have just started opening and all yes. the books. So yes. that's exciting. And we'll, uh, we'll link to everything for you in, the, in the, the show description in case people, look, I have a very difficult last name. So I get it. <laughs> Don't worry yeah. about it. Yeah. Um, Janine, thank you so much for taking the time to share all of this with us. This was such an incredible conversation. Thank you, Blake. It, it was a joy. Really nice to be here with you. All right. That's it for this week. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Crappy Christian Podcast. And hey, by the way, if you super loved it, can you go leave a five-star review wherever you're listening? That'd be awesome. All right. See you next week. This show is part of the Converge Podcast Network.